So last week we explored a story of Jesus calling disciples and also of Samuel's call story in the Old Testament. Today our second lesson is the story of Jesus calling four fishermen as his disciples. And this time we hear it from Mark's gospel. But this isn't just a call story. This is really a story about the first action of Jesus' ministry in Mark's gospel. This occurs right after Jesus' baptism and temptation in the wilderness. And our second lesson contains Jesus' first words of his earthly ministry. Words that will set the course for the whole gospel and really for our lives as followers of Christ. I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the first chapter of Mark's Gospel, beginning with the 14th verse. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent, and believe the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending their nets. Immediately, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Time is a funny thing. As much as we'd like to pretend it doesn't affect us, that it doesn't affect our actions, our behaviors, time, like it or not, can be one of the most influential things, for better or for worse, on our lives. Our behavior is different when we feel that there is a lot of time left as opposed to when there is little time remaining. Whether you're an early bird or a night owl, I'm very much an early bird, we all have certain times of the day when we're more productive. Businesses tend to function differently at the end of the year than they do at the beginning. Our own financial lives feel different the day after we get a paycheck compared to that time when we're a few days out from the next one. Sports are also a good example of how time influences human behavior. In football, a team with the lead in the latter half of the game will do everything in its power to slow down the game and keep that clock running. In basketball, the final minutes of the game are usually spent by the losing team following uh, the, the team with the lead just to keep that game clock from running out. But sometimes... The biggest way time can affect our actions and behaviors is when we're not sure how much time is left. Some of you may be surprised to see me up here today because for the past few weeks now, my family's life has been marked by the uncertainty of time. As uh, Since basically January 1st, we've been awaiting the birth of our second child. We've been hesitant to make any plans more than a few days out. Our grocery buying habits have changed because we're not sure if food will spoil uh, in the pantry and refrigerator because we're away at the hospital for for the birth of our child. Our, Our time, for a very good reason, 
our lives, uh, for this very good reason, has been marked by this uncertainty of time. I thought about that this week when, when thinking about our passage, but then uh, come Friday, I started thinking about all of our federal employees, including a fair number of folks in our congregation here who are now on furlough during the shutdown. Uncertain of how much time they'll be off of work, but still have bills due and other obligations. The uncertainty of time can keep us on high alert. It can drain us in more ways than one. And this is exactly where our gospel lesson leads us this morning. Mark's gospel is one that when you look at it compared to the other three, it's a gospel that's obsessed with time, particularly with the scarcity of time. In today's reading, we meet Jesus just after his baptism and his time in the wilderness. Now it's time for his ministry to begin. Mark tells us that Jesus' first act of ministry is going to these small towns in Galilee and proclaiming God's word, saying this, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus' first act of ministry is declaring that time, time as we know it, will never be the same. Human time is coming to an end. God's time has just begun. Ancient Greek, the language of the New Testament, has two pretty commonly used words for time. The first word is chronos, and it's the word from which we get the, uh, the term chronological. This is an ordered time. It's a quantitative time. It's a time that can be measured in seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, years. The second word is kairos, and this is the word Jesus says in our reading today. Kairos is not quantitative. It's qualitative. It can't be measured in seconds or minutes. It can only be measured in moments. It's time, but time not as it is on earth, but time as it is in the kingdom of God. It's kingdom time. So when Jesus says that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near, what he's really saying is that the kairos is fulfilled. The era of human kairos is coming to an end, but the kairos of God has just begun. So often, uh, the, the cliche sign you might see a street preacher with out if you're out, especially in the city, you might see a sign that says the end is near. But rather through God's kairos, a better, more accurate sign of the gospel might read, the beginning is near. The beginning of God's kairos. The beginning of kingdom time. It's not the end that's near, it's the beginning. Jesus' ministry in Mark begins with this foundational statement. It launches his earthly ministry. From now on, time, that is chronos time, will be limited. And we see this play out throughout Mark's gospel. Mark's Jesus is always moving from one thing to the next. He goes from calling disciples to casting out a demon, to healing someone, to performing a miracle, to healing someone else, to teaching, and so on and so on. And many of these little moments are marked and separated by the word immediately, which is definitely one of Mark's favorite words. 
Immediately, Jesus went and healed. Immediately, Jesus casted out demons. Jesus didn't have time to be precious, and Mark wasn't even precious with wording what Jesus did. All of this is just an illustration of the kingdom of God coming near. The reality of God's kingdom, of the kairos of God, puts Jesus' ministry and Mark's gospel on an expedited pace. And so, in good fashion, in our second lesson, which is just seven verses long, Mark describes a number of events. He describes John the Baptist's arrest, Jesus' journey to Galilee, the beginning of his ministry, and calling two different pairs of brothers to be his disciples. All of this in just seven verses. These disciples, these brothers, were fishermen. And they were following along in the family business with their father, and his father before him, and so on and so on. We could have expected very well the next four generations after Andrew, Simon, James, and John to also become fishermen. It's just the way things were back then. But something drastic happens. This new rabbi walks by, Jesus, and he calls these fishermen, the least likely of folks, to be his disciples. These guys had minimal training at best, if any at all, in the Hebrew scriptures and traditions. They weren't from the right tribe or lineage, yet Jesus calls these men to follow him. When Jesus asks them to follow him, Mark tells us that immediately They left their nets and followed him. There's that word immediately again. Mark uses the word usually employed only for Jesus to describe the disciples' action of dropping their nets to follow him. The disciples realize that the kairos of humanity has ended and the kairos of God has begun. A realization of time affects the disciples' understanding of their calling and vocation. In meeting Jesus, these disciples, uh, for them, the time for fishing, for fish, has passed. God's kingdom drawing near means that it's now time to fish for people. To draw other folks into this reality, the kairos of God. These four fishermen drop everything to follow him. They show their co-workers and everyone else in their community that time, that is chronos, ordered time, no longer controls their actions, but rather kairos is their motivating factor as they await the inbreaking of God's kingdom on earth. Friends, the kairos of God begun with Christ, and it's still developing to this day, and will continue to develop until our Lord returns again in glory, and God's kingdom is fully realized on earth as it is in heaven. The question for us as disciples today is how might we live into this reality, into God's kairos in our own communities and lives? How might we, like these fishermen, drop our nets and immediately follow? Now, dropping our professions and jobs for the sake of following Jesus, as these first disciples did, probably seems a little rash and not quite practical today. Plus, many of us participate in the building of God's kingdom in our own work, teaching children, keeping our community safe and sustainable, helping brothers and sisters in need. Perhaps what we need is a change of mindset. Jesus calls the fishermen to be his disciples, but he calls them using their current profession, saying, you're not going to fish for fish anymore. 
From now on, you will fish for people. The dawn of God's kairos beckons each of us to see our work, what we do with our lives through a different lens. It calls the Christian, one who drops their nets to follow Jesus, to have an eye on two different time zones. The world's time, chronos, and kingdom time, kairos. Rather than personal success and merit, how can we use our daily work to participate in God's kingdom? How can we fish for people using our gifts to draw others into the compassion, peace, and love that are essential traits of God's time, of God's kairos? I once heard a world-renowned preacher named Tom Long, uh, who teaches at Emory in Atlanta, say that Jesus Christ is the Lord of time. Though he didn't specify, I assume he meant Jesus Christ is the Lord of kairos time. And Mark's gospel shows us that Christ is in the business of dawning God's kairos time and invites us to set our watches to this new time zone. Sure, we'll always have our watches and our alarms. Our cell phones will ding and buzz to remind us of this and that meeting or doctor's appointment. But being a disciple, following Christ, means that while chronos, order time, is a part of our lives, It is not the driving force of our actions and behaviors. Kairos, the inbreaking of God's kingdom on earth, is our driving force. It defines who we are and why we do what we do. It's what we set our internal clocks to. Living by Kairos means that we are always hopeful. Hopeful for new ways God's kingdom will be realized and remaining open for how we might participate in it drawing others near to the new reality of God's compassion, peace, and love in Jesus Christ, who is indeed the Lord of time. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.